Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to Cloud Wars Live, where we are figuring out what the heck is going on in the this whole digital revolution that's taking place, especially in this crazy world of 2020, as every facet of our lives has sort of gotten rocked and rolled a little bit. Thanks for being with us. And we are delighted to have one of our monthly digital all-star guests, Sean Amirati. Amirati on innovation. Uh, Sean is a serial entrepreneur. He's a venture capitalist. He's a professor in the business school at Carnegie Mellon, podcaster, author. Sean, always a pleasure to have you. Thanks for being here. Bob, thanks for having me. It's always fun. So, Sean, here uh, we are. We are doing this episode the day before Thanksgiving. There's millions of things to be thankful for in our personal lives and professional lives, and uh, you have found something. I think that uh, a lot of people are going to be thankful for. Maybe not everybody, but Apple's introduction of the M1 chip seems to be uh, one of those Apple scale things that that changes a lot of things in the world. It does. And and I think particularly in the uh, enterprise IT space, right? If you think about companies that CIOs are thankful for, uh, I, I think Apple has gone through sort of a U-shaped relationship with the CIO's office, right? I remember, and, and certainly you do as well, right? The, the bring your own device. Uh, you know, there, I have a lot of colleagues in the, in the CIO's offices who lost a lot of hair. <laughs> when their CEO came in and said, I, you know, I know you want everybody else to use their BlackBerry, but of course, as the CEO, I'm going to use an iPhone, right? And we know how those ripples played out. Um, and, and I think today, you know, uh, most CIOs are, are, are very, very comfortable supporting the Apple and the Mac platform. And, and there's, there's certainly uh, a lot of their customers who, who prefer working on those platforms. Um, I, I personally, kind of, I'm a full stack Apple user. But one of the things that you've seen, right, is that Apple in general, when they think about strategy in lots of different areas, they are very much a, they think about it as a whole vertical solution, right? You can see this on retail, like, okay, Apple not only made the decision to, to go direct to consumer, but hey, let's build these, these really museums to the brand that are their, their retail stores. And, and I think, became you know, generated a tremendous amount of enterprise value by taking this complete vertical solution from uh, production distribution right to the customer relationship. Uh, you know, it's been not a it's been not a well kept secret that I think Apple wanted to take more control of the the chipset piece of this, and I doubt that was even a secret inside Intel. Right? You know, when Apple buys your five G modem business for a billion dollars, which they did in 2019. Uh, you know, I'm sure the cash was nice, but someone in Intel had to realize like, that's probably not the, the start and the finish of that and inherited a couple thousand Intel employees as part of that transaction. Uh, but the thing I think that's amazing about this is when you look at the performance coming out of the next gen Apple laptops because of this M1 chip, it starts to, I think, open up some really interesting questions around a couple next steps on the verticalization side of it. The one that I think everybody's obsessed with is Apple giving back the search revenue to Google to roll their own search engine, right? That's been, been well reported and well talked about. But as I was thinking about it myself, the thing that I'm interested in is, I think coming to a data center near you, maybe Apple, right? We've been talking a lot about 
the the cloud infrastructure wars and and just the the mind bending delirious decision that Amazon continues to cling to to not spin AWS, but it would be a very Apple-like move to introduce their own hosting solution built on top of this unfair competitive advantage of their new chip. Uh, I have no, to, to be clear, I have no basis. This is, this is pure just speculation. But I just, as you look at the performance specs, it's like, man, there may be a, a whole second act to this that just nobody's thinking about. And it'll be really interesting to see how uh, enterprise clients react to something like that. John, uh, it's a fascinating idea. And I tell you what, I, I loved your line there about museums to the brand. Um, lots of companies would like to create museums to their brand, but they those museums uh, efforts, but they probably don't draw a lot of people, whereas Apple has sort of revolutionized that. So that, as you say, they don't do things in a small way. They don't do things, you know, playing a short game or for, you know, some tactical opportunistic idea. Uh, but the, this very notion, uh, I, I think over time, Apple's had this on-off, on-off relationship trying to deal with the enterprise. And you mentioned one of them, you know, the iPads were going to eliminate PCs. The iPhone came in and disrupted the BlackBerry. Maybe what Apple feels like, oh, as long as I don't have to deal, you know, too directly with these people, but we'll do it through a data center. Maybe that's, you know, the approach Apple wants to take. But Sean, you know, one of the things that that really, really speaks to is, um, uh, Oracle might have been the company that talked about this the most. Intel's certainly been into it, but you see Apple coming into this now. We are blurring the lines between the, the distinctions of hardware and software. Right, that's right. And, and some of this, right, is that these companies are just desperate for growth. Like Apple is 100% valued, not on the current business, but on the growth of the business. And the reality is when you're a business, the scale of Apple, which is one of the largest companies in the world, right? There aren't many industries left that you can go into to generate growth, right? So certainly I, I would, you know, you'll see things in the, the health space over the next year, because it turns out healthcare and, you know, as people say, not, not the sick care part of healthcare, but the health part of healthcare, right? There, there's, there's a, there's an Apple sized business still to grow into there. But you know, we've been saying for a year here, Amazon spins AWS. It's one of the 10 largest companies in the world the day after they spin it. Mm -hmm. That also means if you're Apple and you're looking for growth, it's like, hey, you know what? Apple getting into the, to the hosting infrastructure place. And, and while I think you're absolutely right that you know, Apple has always taken a, a, a pretty unique and, and sort of adjacent approach to to enterprise tech relative to almost everybody else that you would that you would think of as a uh, you know a massive technology company on the other hand in terms of relationships with developers things like the app store right they, they actually have plenty of enterprises that have relationships with them they're just they're just not typically what the cloud wars audience would think of as that and if you think about the secret to AWS, right? The secret to AWS was, you know, the three folks working inside, you know, Walmart labs, theoretically start building on top of AWS. And then next thing you know, Walmart realizes, hey, we're, we're sending a check every month to our largest competitor on the retail side, right? You know, Apple introduces a uh, hosting solution, Right. And again, I don't know if they will or not, but the, they now have a strong argument for what's their unfair competitive advantage. They introduced that 
they go to their very loyal developer groups and say, hey, you can build on top of this. Um, you know, people start building it inside these, these same things. And then these, these startups and either corporate startups or traditional startups scale up. Next thing you know, you've got, you've got real cloud revenue there and, and the street would love that. I mean, they, they would just love that growth story. Um, and, you know, frankly, probably whatever it would cost them to do it, they'd, they'd get that in valuation bump the day after they announced it. Very, very interesting, Sean. And, uh, you know, again, I think it, it's something that few companies on earth would think of, uh, a company that has generally not been in that business. But on the other hand, over the last, you know, eight, 10 years, Apple was among the first, you know, out in the middle of, you know, the parts unpopulated parts of the company or of, of the country building these massive data centers, Correct. you know, some of the biggest ever on earth, you know, highly secretive places. So they know how to do that stuff. They clearly know how to do a lot of different things, but I, I'm really intrigued by this, Sean, because you think about that, right? If, if it's, if it is true that the line between hardware and software is blurring and Steve Jobs and his spirit within Apple continuing to think where he'd tell people, said, look, you're thinking about this as a hardware company. You can't do that. You got to think about it as a software company. That's right. So <clears throat> you get a software company now entering the data center business, perhaps somewhat like the you know early, small, but interesting effect that Oracle has had. Right? You're just coming at it in a different way. But I love what you said too, Sean, about the developers, because there's most big technology companies, you know, they, they are pouring money into efforts to have developers come to them. I almost, I sometimes get the feeling with Apple, they love them all, but they're doing a little of the Studio 54 thing, you know, the God side, like, hey, you're cool enough. Come on in, you two over there. And now that's it. You know, we'll, we'll call you, you know, when we need you. It's, it's, it's a remarkably different sort of dynamic with them. It is. It is. But also, you know, and, and I, I don't want to come across like the, the old man get off my lawn with this comment, but, you know, I spent a lot of time doing business development with mobile phone and tech companies, you know, you can fill in the details, but think about the people who used to control the cell phone. There, there were three of them. And I spent a lot of time in windowless conference rooms with all three of those groups trying to do business development. And, you know, I basically summarized that work as, how many different ways could I say the word synergy in 45 <laughs> minutes to then have them put a piece of paper on the table that we could begin neg negotiating what the revenue relationship between me and their customers would be. And let me tell you, if I had walked back to my boss and, and you know my boss, so you can even picture that interaction. And I'd said to Dave, hey, good news. I got them to do a... 50-50 split with us, he would have been over the moon, right? And, you know, people complain a lot about the 30% quote-unquote tax that Apple takes, but I'm telling you, the best BD folks in the world weren't getting 70-30 splits where they got to keep 70% of the revenue, right? So, you know, the, Apple has created this really unique ecosystem of people who are building on top of it who are who, and providing direct access to those consumers. And I think it's allowed them to have a, a different relationship because they're, they're generating so much value that they're leaving on the table. And yes, there are large companies that realize that like, wow, 30% of a big number is a big number. Yeah. Th that's true. You have this thing on your iPhone called a calculator. It's, it's not complicated. Like just 
just pull up your revenue target, multiply times 0.3, and you can see what that check looks like. It's a large number, but I'm telling you, you know, again, without sounding like the old man, like back in the day, you would have been delighted to pay AT&T or Verizon that because I their their monopolistic power was significantly stronger. Um, and so I think there there is a unique sort of love hate amongst the, the ecosystem because of sort of how they they manage that. But they they do have some unique assets here. They do need to figure out growth. Certainly health is part of it. Certainly the subscription, you know, if you look at the services business within Apple, that's part of it. Um, but I but I do wonder like it would be it will be really interesting to see if they they don't get into the data center business because as you say they have a ton of experience now building data centers and now they do have a chip that by many accounts is is extremely performant relative to the same performance you were getting out of comparable Bill Intel chips before. No, Sean, that's a it's a wild theory. I, I love it, and again, I think it's one of the reasons why it's always fun talking with you about things where you get uh, just a different take on things, a different perspective on stuff. And I also think, Sean, you've cracked open some stuff that people begun to say now, well, that's obvious, but it was not obvious when, you know, the, the idea first came out. And I think so your different, uh, what do you call them, Sean, all the different things you do, the different jobs, your activities, your, yeah, your hobbies, hobbies, I don't your, know, <laughs> yeah, sure. but they all come through. So, Sean, I think if you extrapolate that a little bit out into 2021, I think it's going to be a, a year of incredible change. Uh, dynamism, hyper-evolution among these, uh, what I call the Cloud Wars top 10, you know, some of the biggest, most influential technology companies on earth, they are going to have to become different players themselves because their customers are changing so fast. The market requirements and needs and expectations are changing. So I know on that basis, we're seeing, uh, you know, some very, very fast paced things happen here. And one of them that I know you wanted to, to uh, jump in on a little bit was about these industry specific solutions that are coming up from some of the major players. Yeah. So we talked about this last time I was on and, and, you know, I think started talking a little bit about where some of this stuff was heading. And then man, has it been an active month on that front since when we recorded the last conversation between you and I, right? So you've got uh, Oracle and SAP back at it again, uh, trading blows, and that's going to be, you know, they should be selling popcorn for the, <laughs> the next few, uh, uh, you know, public remarks are around this. But, you know, I, I think this is part of the trend that we've been talking about a lot over the last kind of six months, which is, I think what you're going to see in 2021 is we're going to start, we're going to stop talking about these as industry specific technology and things like that. And I think we're just gonna generalize this as these are business partners for companies whose business happens to historically have been technology, right? Like, like the, if you think about what Oracle and SAP are doing with these, with these industry specific clouds and to, to some extent, right? Google has their own unique take on this as well. So it's not just an, an Oracle SAP thing, although uh, that will probably be some of the more more interesting and entertaining pieces on this. Like what you're really saying, I think is like, hey, I, this is not a CIO conversation anymore. This is a CEO conversation, right? And when it becomes a CEO conversation, this becomes a conversation about, you know, business 101. And I teach at a business school. I love, I love doing that. But, but the reality is, 
you know, a lot of business is not nearly as complicated as sometimes people make it to be. Like at the CEO level, the questions become, how do I find more problems my customers have? How do I solve them more efficiently? How do I sign those customers up faster? How do I deliver it more efficiently? Right? These, these are not like, this is not, you know, rocket science by, by any stretch of the imagination. And I think what you're going to see both at the horizontal level, but then with these vertical specific things on top of it is you're going to see the narrative move from a narrative of let's talk about our CRM solution to let's talk about the problem you have and our expertise, not just generally solving this, but if you're in retail, how do we solve it in retail? If you're in healthcare, how do we solve it with healthcare payers and providers, right? It's going to, it's going to start to feel much more like a, we're fixing your problems. And I, I think a perfect example of it, which, which I know you highlighted in cloud wars was the conversation around Oracle and how they're looking at sales enablement on a go forward basis, right? What you, the, the conversation shifted at the horizontal level from let's do forecasting, right? To let's just help you get customers faster and sign them up. That's the difference between a conversation at the CIO level and a conversation at the CEO level. And when you do that, plus you address this on a vertical basis, so you're now talking the language of the vertical that you're in, because the reality is customer means something very different inside a large retailer like Walmart than it does inside a healthcare company like United Healthcare Group. And so it's going to, it's important now if, if the tech companies are going to make this shift from, you know, talking about technology to talking about business, which we've been saying over the last year, it's important that they talk the language of those customers. And I think these industry specific clouds there, it's a, it's like a very elegant step towards that vision. It is Sean. And in the rise of, uh, you know, so many of these things we've seen these days of data, of digital business, and especially the world from the outside in, you know, the consumers demanding to be able to have these uh, omni-channel relationships, omni-channel opportunities, omni-channel access to what's going on there. There's just, there was no time, there's no tolerance, there's no latitude here for a company saying like, yeah, well, I don't do it that way, you know go to my website, read how I allow you to give me money, and then, you know, send it in. I, I, I don't think there's a lot of future in that. <clears throat> so, you know, Sean, just a quick diversion in the past. I always thought it was so funny when I first started to hear about some of these software categories before CRN, and I, I heard about the one of SFA, Salesforce Automation. Right. And, you know, I got that, but it's like, do you really, that's the goal? That's the big thing to automate the Salesforce? And, you know, there's got to be something beyond that. And CRM, has uh, you know clearly a lot of value in what Salesforce and other companies have done, but the notion there that a business is going to manage the relationship with the customer, that was okay maybe up until a few years ago, but the customer's managing those relationships now. So there's gotta be sort of this next ongoing step forward in some of these things. And I, I do think it's funny, still sometimes you hear some of the technology companies, software companies come out and they orient these things like, you know, uh, here the salesperson can jump in with another offer and here so-and-so can do this. And that's all nice, but I think they are 
<clears throat> they're going to have to hop over that pretty quickly and more and more drive this forward. So there's what you were saying, these elegant solutions that go in and how do you do that in retail? How do you do it in healthcare? How do you do it in manufacturing? How do you do it in the insurance industry? They, these are changing so fast uh, that it is, it's, it's a little bit head spinning. And actually, Sean, if you'll give me just a moment here, I think there's a perfect opportunity in that context just to share a word from our sponsor, BMC. BMC wants to know, is your business on its A game? That's when systems are intelligent by learning from markets, where automation is paramount yet effortless, and when technology and people work as one in an enterprise. The A game is your business at its absolute best. BMC calls this the autonomous digital enterprise. Find out more at bmc.com slash A game. So, Sean, I didn't mean to... Uh, Going rambling about that with the, the the lesson there, but what used to take the software industry in these mega trends, SFA to CRM, CRM to CX, and so on, you know, three, four, five, six years, and some fairly bumbling early efforts to do that, they got to do this really, really fast, right. right? If Apple, for example, could possibly get into the data center business, some of these software companies have to really accelerate this thing and they've got to start to see it from the point of view of their customer's customer not drag along these old-fashioned concepts and ideas and dynamics and hope that they work in 2021 and 2022 because they won't that's right and i think the other piece of this is the relationships are going to look different and this is where you know it, it feels it feels almost like funny to call them the the trojan horse in this space because they're the 800 pound gorilla, but this is where I think Microsoft is the company to keep an eye on here too, right? Because there is a culture there of these more creative business partnerships that look less transactional and more collaborative, right? We've talked about this, yeah. this a lot. And, and I think, I think that it's going to be really interesting to watch uh, how Microsoft, and I've, again, similar to the Amazon comment, I have no inside knowledge here. This is just fun speculation, but it'd be very interesting to watch how Microsoft can take advantage of the fact that they do have a partner first culture in the organization today to take a very different approach to these same uh, industry specific um, solutions and, and sort of the sort of verticalization of the cloud, if you will. Sean, two other companies that I, I want to be sure to mention in this, this area, you, you've alluded to Google Cloud. And I think I saw an article the other day, maybe it's in Diginomica, but it was Rob Enslin, the president of Google Cloud, uh, trying to describe the difference. He said, no, no. He said, we are not playing at the application layer. We're going to play at the AI and ML layers. So without exposing too much of my ignorance about technology, uh, I just want to say there may be a gap there now between those two spaces. Like that gap is going to close or disappear in the near future. But Google Cloud, again, is in, a, in an interesting spot there where they are playing to their strengths, right, with the data, the analytics, the AI, and being able to put together some of these new solutions for retailers or healthcare in, in a matter of weeks. The other company that I thought is wild on this, and I, I don't say they're in this game, I think they're playing a little bit of footsie with it, is AWS, right, because they've stayed strongly out of applications, but they say they've got a lot of vertical market expertise. But the deal they did recently with Carrier, uh, and what they call not a supply chain, but the cold chain business, right? You to keep foods cold across different places like that. If you look at what they're doing, um, it 
it can't be something that AWS sort of says, well, this is a horizontal thing. I'll do it once with them. I'll pick it up. I'll plop it in over here and we'll work. They, so I think they are going in whatever way that AWS might choose to do it more in this vertical path. So um, I think that adds a few more logs on your fire about, you know, they are not doing themselves any favors by remaining inside a company that alienates a lot of other businesses. I, I just, I mean, we got to just get, we got to sort of record this and you can just play it every episode, right? It, this, this only gets crazier every time you and I talk that, that they haven't just kind of this realization. I literally can't come up with anybody other than potentially Jeff Bezos, who just wants to be CEO of the whole thing, who doesn't, who this isn't a win for spinning out AWS at this point. Um, but I think your, your point on Microsoft and Google, and especially the Google part of this, and sort of playing to the strengths of the companies is a really interesting one because, you know, and maybe it's just, maybe I'm just missing it, but I, I totally see how Google's doing that, right? I totally understand how Google comes in and says, all right, let's, let's play to our strength. I totally understand the sort of Microsoft, let's play to our strength. Even to some extent, although I think, you know, Amazon has this, this weight around it being a conglomerate at this point. Um, but if you ignore that piece of how they're playing to the strength, and maybe I've missed it, but I just, when I look at Oracle and SAP, it doesn't feel like they've, it doesn't feel quite as crisp on that front. And that again, may just be sort of where I said, or maybe I just missed, missed this piece of it, but it feels like in the same way that Google is playing to their AI strengths, I would expect Oracle or SAP to do a similar thing around their kind of, you know, business model, financial acumen, you know, and, and the opportunity to sort of lead based on the kind of advantage that they have and the, and the, the power that they can bring to, to bear there. And it's, I just, you know, it's, it's early days, maybe, you know, maybe there's something you know, even before this comes out that will be announced that will make that crystal clear, but it feels right now, like there's a lot of marketing spin and, and sales around it. And I think this will be a big part of their business. So it's important to start to tell the narrative and things like that. But if I were inside the boardroom of either of those companies right now of either Oracle or SAP, the question that I would just keep asking over and over again is great, but what's truly unique about Oracle or what's truly unique about SAP and their approach to this? Because it just can't be that, hey, we've got a louder bullhorn than you know, the other company. We're just gonna, we're gonna say it louder and stronger and more persistent. Although I am sure, especially in the case of Oracle, that they will do that. Like that, that will be part of it, but that can't be the answer to this question, right? It's like, what's the unique unfair competitive advantage that Oracle is going to bring to bear here. And, and you know, I, I have some ideas, like I don't, you know, I, I'm not inside the company, I don't know what this is, but it just feels like the, the right senior leadership there needs to, needs to sit around the table, formalize that, and then start working with their, um, their comms group to actually get out and tell that story. Because, uh, you know, the, the clock is ticking on this. I think this is the battleground for 2021, right? The, I think the battleground for 2021 will be these, these industry specific solutions, not even 
industry specific clouds, but just industry specific solutions, right? Broader than technology, talking about the business problems. Yeah. And you're going to see each group come to bear with it. And I think you're going to see, uh, you're going to see Oracle and SAP look like Oracle and SAP often do, where they sort of do this. But like, what's what's the Oracle answer for? Hey, this is the unique thing for us, or SAP's answer for this is what's unique for us. And I feel like you know, we often try to talk about these things so that there's lessons for the audience sort of, and it's, again, I always say, I like to pick on the companies that are so big and so successful that they're, they're more successful than me. So this, this isn't me picking on, I mean, I would love to have had the success in my career that Larry Ellison has had in his, right? So, so nothing but aspiration here, but I will tell you like from the outside looking, it's like, if I were them, if I were Larry Ellison, right, I'd, you know, get everybody socially distanced, in a room together and I'd spend some time not taking the, the surface level answers, but really drilling down into that because if they could nail that, I mean, 2021 could be an amazing year of growth for them. And again, there may be things I'm not aware of, all the, all the caveats around that, but it just feels to me a bit like we're doing this because this is obvious, not we're doing this because it's obvious and this is why we're the, the winner. It's why, I don't think it would have made sense a year ago for Amazon to get into the cloud business, right? They had no, and this is what's unique about Apple. But today, Apple has a great answer to that with this, this unique chip capability. I believe Oracle and SAP have good answers around these industry-specific solutions, but at least the stuff I've read, the, the, the videos I've watched about them talking about, you know, Eric, Larry Ellison did the talk at the, uh, the CX event, right? It just, it didn't feel... It just didn't feel as meaty as I would expect for what it's worth. John, we have a big uh, special report coming out of Cloudwars next week. It's called the Cloudwars Top 10 Special Report, which cloud vendors will thrive in 2021. And I, you know, one of the premises that I offer up in there, particularly for uh, SAP and Oracle, is it's a business model evolution coming up this year, right? Because you have Microsoft that I think at this point could in no way try to lay claim to saying we understand industries as well as Oracle and SAP. Do we have as many, you know, they don't, but what they have been able to do is get inside some customers in those businesses. That's right. right. That's right. And they, so they are bringing not just Microsoft to it, but it's Microsoft and, uh, you know, uh, Novartis as it could be SAP and Siemens, SAP and Bosch, right. Oracle and some of its remarkable customers, you know, That's what right. it's doing with zoom and saying they're going to embed zoom technology deeply in these technologies. Now you push that down, not just through like a sales function or, you know, an ERP function, but then into a healthcare industry, a, a pharmaceutical company, a, a concrete company. And it's, it's something that nobody has ever done before, but I think Sean of, as usual, I think you're, you're right on the mark here, which is the technology part that they're pulling along to it is great, but the, it's been 40 years of straight technology. Now it's gotta be technology and business model shifts, community partnerships and right. flipping stuff into it that, you know, people just haven't done before. That's right. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't wanna sound like, like the BEA read here, but, you know, to our friends at Oracle and SAP, it's corporatestartuplab.com if you want some help with that, because I'm telling you, like, uh, sorry, I was, those, I'm just, I'm just joking kind of, but I, I do think like, this is something that we've done with a lot of companies. I think there's a, there is a great path for them to do that. 
Um, and if, if not us, there's plenty of other people who could help them with that as well. But I do think you're right. It, that's exactly what the issue is. The issue is if they don't evolve the business model while they put all this other stuff in place, I think where you end up is uh, significantly less impact relative to the impact they could have if they did, if they did both of this work in, in parallel. And I just want to be sure to add, you know, Sean, for the folks who haven't seen it, we have it in the episode notes, but uh, Sean's work at CMU involves uh, some of the corporate startup lab that Sean was a founder of several years ago, and we're working with some big companies from all across the world, right, in different industries to help them. Absolutely. So United Healthcare, we do a lot of stuff with, and, and we do do, you know, we are doing a little bit with Microsoft, but that less honestly with tech companies, a lot more with these large industrial companies, the Industrial safety companies like MSA, uh, United Healthcare Group, Bosch, Philips, those kinds of companies. Um, but around this question, exactly of how do you how do you innovate and look over the horizon, this sort of multi-horizon view into your business model evolution. And I do think today, and and look, we're we're busy. This is this is sort of I'm fictitiously doing it as a commercial, but it's really more just like I think this is what these guys need to do. It, it is exactly where. Oracle and SAP are today, in, in my opinion. So Sean, before you go, let me pose a question to you. <clears throat> if um, So what you're saying is the answer is if, if SAP says we have these vertical solutions in 25 industries, then another company should say, I have them in 26 industries, or I have been 45 industries. It's exactly the opposite of what I'm saying. <laughs> right. what, I, what I'm saying is, look, that's right. That is, you do need to talk the language of the verticals, but you need to evolve the relationship from a transactional relationship to much more of a relationship relationship, right? And I think you need to look forward, not backward when you think about how to structure those agreements, right? So in the same way that I think brilliantly, Oracle made this move from dashboards about sales performance to accelerating you know, a sales team's efficiency, they need to do the same thing for their business, right? Instead of looking backwards for, uh, you know, okay, well, this is this is how we work with the company. You know, there's an upfront fee and there's a recurring fee, and you know, we can package this up as a, you know, one of like you need to. They need to 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 think about it more as like, okay, this is how we innovate together. This is together how we transform this industry right and and this is how we can be business partners with you to transform healthcare to transform manufacturing to transform the automotive and mobility space and i think they have all the ingredients there but i think some of these questions that should be being asked at the board level and maybe they are maybe they're not i don't know but the sort of well what's truly unique about oracle well how are we going to differentiate ourselves from from all the other companies right don't just say hey i'm better than sap and i'm better than microsoft because you know what? Microsoft's going to say, I'm better than SAP and I'm better than Oracle. And SAP is going to be better than Oracle and better than Microsoft. Like, like I understand like this is part of it. And that's why I say like sell popcorn for the next few earnings calls. I, I get that. But like this, this gets to a much more fundamental thinking about how to innovate, how to be innovative and how to, to really transform some of these businesses over the next 12 to 18 months. Sean, before we go, one, one reason that uh, it was just over two years ago that I, I put Microsoft up to the number one spot on the Cloudworks top 10 uh, over AWS. And at the time, you know, AWS had more revenue, this, that. But one of the reasons I did that was because 
Microsoft had just rolled out a program where they were willing to uh, to sell like solutions built around Azure that their customers had created. And in also this vast partner network that Microsoft has, the Microsoft sales team now sells solutions created by their partners. So they turned the thing upside down because for 40 years, Microsoft made it, pushed it out to partners, partners sold it. And in this new world, what they're saying is we can still do that, but we can also take this great IP that comes from customers, from partners, from everybody else. And instead of just going to this permanent notion of, you know, everything goes through me or this is the unidirectional flow, they opened that up. And I think that um, that is going to be, you know, one of the keys to, you know, who's going to win in this. Google's clouds with Thomas Curran has a lot of fresh ideas. Uh, so we will see. But um, Sean, it is always a pleasure. You force people to think about things in different ways and look at things in different ways. And that's, uh, that's a great gift. So thank you so much, as always, for being with us. Thanks for having me, Bob. It's fun. Thanks to all of you folks, too, as well. We are nearing the end here of 2020. It's been a, a, a wild year, not always a fun year. Uh, but there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic. We think about 2021. We're going to not try to be... Um, Pollyanna's here, but we will try too to keep our heads up and looking forward to what's going on in the cloud wars and beyond. Thanks for being with us, everybody. Look forward to seeing you again soon.